0: You're listening to The Word of Hope, a radio ministry of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Our preacher is Pastor Brian Wolfmuller with today's Word of Hope.
1: Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Dear Saints, Christ is risen for you. Just as he suffered for you. Died. Died. For you, everything that Jesus was and everything that Jesus is, everything that he did and that he still does is for you. And that is why we have such great and profound joy on this day, even in the midst of suffering, in in this life of death, in the world falling apart. We gather together singing hallelujahs because Christ is risen and in his death and in his resurrection, he brings us life and salvation. And the forgiveness of our sins. All of our hopes and all of our dreams are bound up to Jesus. And so all of our hopes are sure. But imagine for a moment. Imagine knowing Jesus and imagine trusting in him, but not knowing about his resurrection. How would that be? Now that's what our gospel text is about. On the first Easter morning, when Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, Salome, they went to the tomb. They didn't go to see an empty tomb. They were going to the tomb because they thought that that is where the body of Jesus was. Now, this is a, a simple point, but I don't want us to miss it this morning. They brought spices with them because they had not had time on Friday after his crucifixion to finish the work of burial, which was for the Jews, wrapping the body in 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 a linen cloth and pouring over it perfume, ointment, and spices. And they were going to the tomb on that first Easter to finish the sad work of burying Jesus, the one that they love, the one in whom they trusted. All of their hope was bound up to Jesus, but now they think He is dead. And their hopes are crushed. And he's lying there in the tomb. Now, all of us know something of this, the sadness of the death of someone that we love and all the things that go along with it, the sadness, the question, the fears, the temptations. Perhaps in the the darkness of mourning, the thing that comes to tempt us the most is regret. And we all know this. We all have regrets. All of us. We could probably just make a list right now of all the things that we've done that we wish we had never done. All of the things that we said that we wish we had never said. All of the things that we want to say and we want to do, but we can't bring ourselves to do them because of our fear or our cowardice. You know what I'm talking about? Oftentimes we have more sophisticated excuses to excuse ourselves for not doing these things. But this is really what it is, fear and cowardice, and this is what it is, regret. Now sometimes, and this is part of the tricky part with regret, sometimes we regret things that we did because they truly are sins and we feel guilty. Sometimes we have regrets because people have sinned against us. Sometimes we have thoughts and we have emotions Things that we, that we even, that we never have even acted upon. Anger or jealousy that is bounced so fiercely around our own minds and around our own hearts and conscience that it troubles us. But normally we put off this nagging voice of regret and we, and we use time as an excuse, right? I'll get to it later. I'll make things right. I'll call them. I'll talk to them. I'll make up for it. But then death and time is up. And regret attacks. Oh, I wish I would have said this or done that. I wish it would have told them that I loved them, that I forgave them. I wish we could have gone to this place or seen that thing. I had wish I never had done that to them or said those things. And the more that we love a poor person, the more profound our regret. I suppose we shouldn't be surprised by this, that it has to be this way. After all, you and I are sinners, which means, among other things, that we sin. (laughs) We don't love each other like we should. We hurt each other. We fail each other. And the closer the Lord has bound us up to one another, the more we know each other, the more we know each other's sins. Husband and wife especially, parents and children, brothers and sisters, and dear friends. Now, I've sat with many of you fighting through this temptation of regret. And any number of you have asked me this question. After a loved one has died, you've said, is there something more that I could have done? And the answer is, yes. You could have done more. You know the comfort that the world tries to give. It always says something like this. There's nothing more you could have done. But this is an absolutely empty comfort. I mean, it might be true that there was no better medical treatment or, or that you might have made the best decision in a terrible situation. But in general, all of us could always love more. You could have been more caring to your wife. You could have taken better care of your husband. You could have treated your parents better. You could have been more true to your friend. You, after all, are a sinner, and that means that you have sinned. And in your sin, you've hurt people, and you've hurt the people you love the most. So you regret. And this is your conscience's way of letting you know that your sin against others has to be reckoned with. Now, The Scriptures don't tell us directly about the regrets of the women who go to the tomb of Jesus, only that they were sad and confused. But we do learn of one man's regret, and that's St. Peter. Peter was the Lord's closest friend, and he was in his life his fiercest defender. Peter, on Thursday night, took up his sword when they were in the garden to defend Jesus and sliced off one of the ears of the temple guard. Peter is the one who took the risk of following Jesus into the house of the high priest to see how his trial would go. But the devil had asked for Peter, and as Jesus stood trial before the Sanhedrin, so Peter would have a different sort of trial that night. Three times three strangers come to ask Peter, "Do you know him? Are you one of his disciples?" In the courtyard as they were gathering them uh, warming themselves around the coal fire from the cold. And each time Peter denied it. "No," Peter says. "Woman, I don't know him." And then Peter takes an oath, "Man, I don't know what you are saying." And at this third denial, we have one of the most profound moments in in the history of the sacred text, that moment in the Lord's Passion, where when Peter speaks his third denial, Jesus looks from the court where he's being tried, and his eyes meet Peter's eyes, and the rooster crows. And Peter remembers what Jesus had said, that before the rooster crows this night, you will deny me three times. And Peter runs out of the courtyard, weeping, the text says, bitterly. Imagine that. The last words that your Lord and your friend hear you say as he's being handed over to whip and cross is a word of denial. At his deepest hour of need, you abandoned him. Fear and pride and stupidity all come together in this flourish of a sin right at the end. And then Jesus is dead. I suspect that the other disciples were wondering what they could have done to help Jesus, to save Him at the end. They wondered where things went wrong, how they couldn't have seen that Judas was a betrayer. It's so clear now. How they could have let Jesus talk them into going down to Jerusalem. They they would have had regrets. But Peter, I imagine that Peter couldn't even look them in the eye. He was a traitor, no better than Judas. All his boldness and seemingly strong faith were shown on this night to be a sham. And now he questions even if he himself loved Jesus at all. This is regret. Peter is our brother. And here we are this morning with all of our sin, all of our hurt, all of our regret, like piled in a heap on top of us. And you know this. You know your sin against your neighbors, your sin against your loved ones, those who have died, those who are still alive. You know the hurt that you've caused. And you know your sin against God those things about your own faith that you regret, those things that you're going to get around to, reading the Bible more, getting to church more often, remembering to pray with your family, not using the Lord's name in vain. And you, like Peter, have denied Jesus time and again by what you've done in your sin, by what you've failed to say and do. And I suppose that for many of us, in those profound moments of self-realization, that we have stood there with Peter weeping. Your faith in tatters. As you look at your own life and you figure that you are not worthy to be his disciple, you are certainly not uh, ready and able, not worthy of being his friend And I suppose in those moments with Peter, you and I are probably right. But listen. The women come to the tomb to find the body of Jesus and instead find an angel with a message. Do not be alarmed, the angel says. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? Go, tell his disciples and Peter (laughs) that he's going before you to Galilee. Did you hear that? And Peter, the angel said. Tell Peter the stone is rolled away. Tell Peter the tomb is empty. Tell Peter that Jesus is raised. Tell Peter that He goes before them to Galilee. Tell Peter that the crucified one is now the risen one. Dear saints, this is for you. In all of your regret, in all of your sin, in all of your doubt, in all of your darkness, the angel wants the message of the resurrection to be for you. Because all of your sin... Every single bit of it is died for by Jesus. Your regret, all of it, is covered by His blood. The sins that you've committed against your neighbor, the sins that your neighbor has committed against you, the sins that you've committed against God, all of it. There's nothing left. Your death is defeated. Your sin is forgiven. Your shame is covered. And so your regret is gone. Jesus is risen. He's left the grave behind. He's out. He is, if you will, He's loose and He's after you. (laughs) And nothing will stand in His way. Not your sin. Not your guilt. Not your piles of regret. Not your death. If Jesus was willing to go through the punishment of God's wrath and the grave to get to you, He won't let this stand in the way. He won't let your regret stop Him. He won't let your guilt slow you down. And dear Saints, this is our resurrection joy. Jesus is alive. He is alive for you. He sends the good news To you. So that you would rejoice. And you know this all in these words. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.